0: Talk Radio 77 W.A.B.C. Curtis Lewa. Curtis Lewa. Rip and read. Check this out. This is the Rip and Read featuring Curtis Lewa. Talking
1: about-
0: now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 W.A.B.C. and Curtis Lewa. This is the Rip and Read. W-
2: Well, well, long, yeah. wrong way, Lou Rafino, Curtis Lewa, and the Guardian Angels in the Eye of the Storm. As many of you know from these broadcasts, we have been patrolling Times Square. In fact, we have a patrol dedicated to that. It sweeps through the area and also down into the long tunnels of the subway system that connects the 8th Avenue line, the 7th Avenue, and uh, It is huge. A lot of things go on in Times Square, morning, noon, and night, but we're there at night. And in fact, if you remember correctly, Justin Ellick, I was first to talk about the Milford Plaza having been converted to New York Row. It had gone through bankruptcy, but the Milford Plaza, right there about 45th and 8th was famous because oftentimes when you'd be watching Joe Franklin on the WWOR-TV uh, Super Network, you would see the commercials to all of America that if they wanted to come and see a show, that they ought to stay at the Milford Plaza. Come on
0: along, I'll take you too. All. In the Plaza. Stay at the Milford Plaza Hotel with cocktail dinner and breakfast for forty-three dollars per person. Discover why we are the lullaby of Broadway. The Milford Plaza is the lullaby of Broadway.
2: I discuss how Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, mayor of the illegal aliens, had converted four hundred rooms uh, to house. The migrants, mostly from Venezuela, at $400 a night. That's where the migrants first said, hey, we're not going to eat the bagel and the schmear in the morning. And Eric Adams, instead of saying to them, kill, you're going to assimilate into our population. You eat what we give you. It's healthy. It's nourishing. New Yorkers eat it every day. No. They need culturally appropriate food, and it's been a disaster ever since leading up to these snap cards that he just announced he's giving out to those who check into the Roosevelt Hotel to be outsourced. So it's been a long, long process going back to August of 2022. Remember, in August of 2022, it was Governor Abbott who sent her buses from Texas. He was completely overwhelmed. He said, well, I got to send them to Sanctuary City, Sanctuary States, and New York City was one of them. The other cities were relatively quiet receiving them, but not Eric Adams. Swagger man with no plan decided to flex down at the Port Authority. He had a receiving line. He was wearing $5,000 customized suits. He was joined at some point by Cardinal Dolan, who was saying, give us your tired, your poor those who need a place of their own, and then I began to inform you that a lot of the monies that were being used to transport these illegals were actually Catholic charities, nothing from the collection plate on Sundays in the church, all from Joe Biden's federal administration that was funneling money to NGOs like Catholic Charity, the largest, other religious and non-religious organizations that were making money hand over fist. This became human trafficking because there's a lot of money on both sides of the border. To the coyotes and those, the narco, uh, narco gangbangers who uh, transport them. They make more money now transporting uh, humans than they do uh, uh, bringing uh, fentanyl and other drugs over the border. Human trafficking on both sides is an enormous business. And so we've kept you uh, pace every step of the way. Two weeks ago, we indicated that based on our patrols, we noticed that a lot of the young men were hanging out by day on 42nd Street outside of what used to be the biggest McDonald's in the world, right between 7th Avenue, 8th Avenue on the south side before you hit the Port Authority on 8th Avenue, which is the world's largest Mickey D's. And having been a former McDonald's manager, I explained to everybody Hey, <laughs> they never made a penny. Uh, McDonald's Corporation, Oak Brook, Illinois, that then moved to Chicago, never made a penny in that McDonald's, even though it was the world's largest. it really had it there for the signage. They sold products, but they really didn't make money. And it was worth it to them. And then the lockdown and pandemic came, and it wasn't worth it any longer because few, if any, tourists were coming. Traffic was down to... Uh, just a small number of people. So they closed that Mickey D's. And then when uh, the migrants started coming in, one of the first locations that Eric Adams' administration looked to house them was in that old Mickey D's. Many of them, single, able-bodied young men of military age with nothing to do, nowhere to go, mostly Venezuela. And I have posted videos as uh, we've uh, patrolled the area, walked around the area, and for the most part at first, it was pretty cool, calm and collected, getting a lay of the land. Some of them would be uh, smoking weed, uh, that's uh, been decriminalized, they'd be drinking cerveza, but most of them just trying to figure out what the hell they were going to do here. And they began to see that Americans were shoplifting, boosting products, pickpocketing, getting into fights, no arrests. This is Alvin Braggland, Manhattan, where Eric Adams, a brother in solidarity uh, with Alvin Bragg, will never name or shame Alvin Bragg, because let's face it. He's afraid of getting indicted and possibly having to go to jail for political corruption from the U.S. Attorney of the Southern District and the upcoming trial of uh, his appointee to the uh, as Commissioner of Buildings, who is uh, Eric Ulrich, who owed $600,000 in gambling debts to the Bonanno crime family. So he's extraordinarily cautious. But basically, whether you're a migrant, whether you're an American, whether you're a A tourist, doesn't matter who you are, if you commit crimes in the borough of Manhattan, nothing happens to you. And I think increasingly the migrants, especially the Venezuelans, uh, whose numbers uh, were larger than any other migrant group, determined that, hey, there's money that could be made here in criminal activity. Not all of them, but some of them. And they've been going to town, they've been feasting on Times Square, they've been going in and out of the stores, they've been jostling, pickpocketing, they've been doing it on the the subway platforms at both the uh, A-Train, the C-Train, the E-Train on 8th Avenue, the 2-1 and 3 on 7th Avenue, and they've been caught. Many of them over at, uh, they take the shuttle to Grand Central, they're on the platform, the 4, 5, and 6, and they've been caught. And then naturally, they get cut loose because they're untouchables. So I'm not telling you anything that I haven't told you over weeks and weeks and weeks. And then last week, at an appearance on the Sean Hannity Show, I said, we're going to have to crack down because it's obvious the police have been given orders from one police plaza headquarters uh, that the migrants are untouchables because they were invited here by Eric Adams, who said that he would give them all the amenities that they didn't even get in their third world countries or couldn't even be provided by their mothers. And the Vel- Venezuelans have been extraordinarily aggressive. And you saw what they did to our brave police officers, two of whom got the beatdown of their life. Uh, they've made some arrests uh, since, uh, but they're a dollar short in a day late. And they really have not done their uh, intel work, as we have so what happened last night is we're doing a live hit with Sean, as we had done a week ago, and I'm giving an update. And all of a sudden, the Guardian Angels spot guys, three of them. One of them with items that he had obviously just taken. They all had the tags on him, baby clothes sticking out of his backpack. He was given beef as the Guardian Angels moved in on him. His other two buddies backed off. They gave us beef at first. And then we had to take down the guy who had the backpack full of the stolen items uh, because he was he was just uh, belligerent. Took him down, the cops came, they arrested him, they took him away. I've noticed the police have said, oh, uh, we arrested him because he was interfering with the broadcast. No, 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 no. You don't arrest people for interfering with the broadcast. Come on. I've been doing this, what, 45 years. Uh, our 45th anniversary, anniversary of the Guardian Angels will take place on February 13th. I've been involved in many situations where people have tried to bogart an interview, have uh, interfered, and they don't get arrested. That's ridiculous. The cops arrested him and said we're going to get him, going to check him on the shoplifting charge, obviously, assault. They took him away. The other two guys walked away. And we went back to the business of what we've been doing, which is patrolling the area because it is completely out of control. As a result, I noticed in some of the comments Uh, Justin and Alec, they're calling me a xenophobe. They're calling me racist, a gang, uh, beating down uh, these migrants. Uh, Notice, if you look at the picture of the guardian angels, it's uh, interracial. You got blacks, whites, Hispanics, Asians, males, females. We're unarmed. We've been doing this for 45 years. Six of us have been shot and killed in the line of duty, many more seriously injured. Never asked for a dime or a penny. From this city or any city around the world where we patrol. Uh, so we are doing this because this is our city. And our police have been prevented from doing anything. And the suits at City Hall are all bent out of shape. And obviously the police establishment and one police plaza, they're the—they're like, they, they just don't know what to do. In fact, can we go once again to Eddie Caban? He is the Missing in Action Police Commissioner I don't know, he's usually out of town, describing uh, a group that they busted up in the Bronx uh, with connections uh, to Venezuelan gangs. And listen to how out of touch he is and the NYPD.
1: They're essentially ghost criminals. No criminal history. No photos. No cell phone. No social media.
2: And that's because he will not work with ICE because he is prevented from doing so both by Kathy Hochul at the state level and Eric Adams at the city level. So because there is this huge void, we the Guardian Angels, like we have done over 45 years, will fill it. Call us what you want. We're volunteers. We risk our life. We don't ask anything in return. And we got the naysayers going to call me a racist, going to call me a xenophobe. Hey, look. Get online. When we first began the demonstrations to stop the migrant shelters from being spread in all five boroughs, I got called that too. And we successfully were able to stop or close about eight of them. So call me whatever you want. This is for our city. This is for America. And this is for the fact that our elected officials are doing nothing but encouraging the migrants to come in. They're Papa Chulo, Joe Biden. Their their padron is Eric Adams, and they won't let the cops do their job because the migrants have become an untouchable class. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.
0: It's the Rip and Read. Featuring Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. Curtis doesn't know about you, but he rips and reads. This is the Rip and Read.
2: All praise to uh, Nancy Sliwa, who joins me on the Rip and Read Tuesdays and Thursdays for a full deep dive into the issues of the day. She's an e-internee and also now joins me on Sunday nights after Andrew Giuliani is on with me 8 to 9, and then Nancy's on from 9 to 10, and she does the deep dive. But last week, Nancy, you provided to our audience exclusively... A video with audio of Eric Adams uh, at a mostly black uh, citizens uh, group meeting in Brownsville on Stone Avenue. What was the date uh, of the time that you provided that uh, to our audience who got a chance to hear it for the first
3: time? Well, this was one week ago today that he gave that um, community board meeting. So in the late afternoon, early evening, he was in Brownsville, um, you know, giving one of his uh, biweekly or, you know, twice a month Meetings, and he was speaking to the, the group at Brownsville.
2: Yes, and uh, you heard it first here at WABC. It has now gone viral. Uh, what is the latest headline uh, on uh, Eric Adams based on your video that uh, you shared with us that nobody else had at that time uh, a week ago?
3: Eric Adams blames political problems on race, compares himself to Jesus, quote, that's why people are hating on me.
2: That's why you got to listen to the Rip and Read. We are always breaking news. Uh, Let's review for some of you who weren't listening or you weren't able to listen. What some of those statements to a mostly black audience was of Eric Adams, who would never have made that at his weekly press conference or to a more mixed audience of city residents. Here he's talking about how this is chocolate city.
1: Look at my look at my deputy mayors. First deputy mayor, Sheena Wright. Deputy mayor. Stand up, stand up. They need to see you. Deputy Mayor williams ison Deputy Mayor Mira Josie, Deputy Mayor Amazar, Deputy Mayor Maria Torres-Springer. Have you ever seen this much chocolate lead in the city of New York? Can mm.
2: you imagine when I was running against Eric Adams, if I had said, you know, if you were like Eric Adams, it's going to be Chocolate City, USA.
3: Yeah, and I think it's a little insulting to tell all the women to stand up and show themselves to the crowd. I mean... I don't, really, I don't think that's, that really has a lot of respect for the, for the women he's appointing there.
2: Well, you know, let's face it. He's the king, and he wants everyone to know his deputy may- mayors are answerable to him. They never question him. Uh, they never uh, suggest things to him. It's either it's the Eric Adams way or you're on the highway. Then he was saying, that's why everyone is hating on me.
1: That's why people are hating on
2: me. Now, naturally, I lead the uh, Haters Club. <laughs> Remember Dave Chappelle did that bit about the Haters Club? Yes, So yes. I might as well be Dave Chappelle on this, Curtis Lee with Haters Club, because he gives us so many reasons to hate this guy. He's basically invited in these illegal aliens. Uh, he's given him things that even our homeless, our emotionally disturbed, uh, our veterans who happen to be homeless or emotionally disturbed don't get.
3: You know, he's selling himself short. It's not just one reason people hate him. There's a whole lot of reasons.
2: And he's trying to figure out why so many people hate him.
1: you trying to figure out why they're hating on me? They're hating on me because those are... How many of you go to church?
2: Oh, oh, now you know... Whenever he's before a predominantly black audience, as he's done before, when he said 30 years ago, God woke him up in a cold sweat and told him that he would be mayor of the city of New York, on uh, would be sworn in on January 1st of 2023. Well, well maybe
3: that was a precursor because he was trying to figure out if he started pass, passing around the, the donation basket, how it would be viewed... <laughs>
2: But he does think that he is black Jesus because he does what he typically does to a predominantly black audience, a mostly elderly woman. He does his religious revival routine where you think he's a holy roller on the stage talking about Jesus, except in this case, he equates himself as being the black Jesus.
1: Ma'am, this is a Matthew 21 and 12 moment. Jesus walked in the temple. He saw them doing wrong in the temple. He did what? He turned the table Came over. Over. I went to City Hall and turned the table over.
3: <laughs> Is that because he thought there was money underneath the table?
2: <laughs> I mean, he's so corrupt. He, he's, he's got a Damocles sword hanging over his head that he could literally be locked up. Any moment by the U.S. Attorney of the Southern District for Political Corruption. And he's the one who goes in like Jesus to the temple and throws out the the money exchanges, the money lenders. The
3: the last refuge of the scoundrel, quoting the Bible.
2: (laughs) Exactly. And then he decided to take a shot at Rudy Giuliani, Mike Kumbaricic.
1: And who did we get after David Dinkins? Giuliani. It was a setup for a setback. That's what it was.
2: A setup for a setback. Now, what he does, and remind the audience that at the time he was a registered Republican, he was supporting Giuliani for mayor against the guy who now he claims is his mentor, David Dinkins. He was quoted in the Daily News as saying, Rudy Giuliani is a law and order mayor. David Dinkins, uh, I like him, but he's soft on crime. And yet he doesn't bring any of that up. Could I hear that cut one more time, please? Because this is is a cut that anybody who has any knowledge of Eric Adams going back to his days with screwy Louis Farrakhan in the 90s and using the Nation of Islam to collect signatures so he can run against Major Owens, who was the Democratic congressman from Bed-Stuy in East New York, knows this guy is a fake, phony, fraudulent fugazi. Because he was a knight at the time.
1: And who did we get after David Dinkins? Giuliani. It was a setup for a setback. That's what it was.
2: Mm. And then he began to um, um, embellish it. because Now it was all about he's a victim like David Dinkins is or was a victim when he was running for mayor and he was mayor.
1: And so I know that many of you may stand around and say, well, you know, Eric, we don't like this. We don't like that. We don't. I got it. I got it. I got it. That's the same thing they did to David Dinkins.
2: You heard that.
3: <laughs> yeah, I still don't know what they did to him, but apparently it was bad.
2: Well, he was a lousy mayor. It was over 2,000 murders, 10,000 unsolved shootings. Uh, he almost never left Manhattan. And anything. you're
3: saying the city did that to him? Yeah. Oh, okay. Gotcha.
2: Yeah. Gotcha. So I guess Eric Adams, uh, his brother in solidarity is David Dinkins, right? No longer with us. Nice guy if you knew him, but an empty suit. Very much like Eric Adams, he wore very expensive attire, but not $5,000 customized suits. And then he went on to talk about what happened to Dinkins and how it's happening to him now.
1: And you know what happened with David Dinkins? They wore him down so much that black folks didn't come out to vote. They said, you know what? We're not coming out. They just beat him and wore him down over and over and over again.
2: Now, he's telling a revisionist story. When you do the analytics of the second election, Giuliani Dinkins, because I was with Giuliani first time and the second time. First time he lost to Dinkins by about two percentage points. Second time he beat Dinkins by about two percentage points. So, uh, Nancy, I did the analytics and everybody said, oh, Giuliani won the second time because Guy Malinari, the borough president, had a plebiscite on the ballot for secession for Staten Island. And, of course, more people come out to vote. That is correct. But the real analytics were that, especially when you went to Southeast Queens, predominantly black, moderate uh, income folks, they were Dinkins supporters the second time around. They didn't come out to vote. Because they were disappointed in thinking they did not vote for Giuliani. They just stayed home and didn't vote.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, clearly Eric Adams isn't into telling an honest narrative of any situation.
2: Well, remember, he's figuring his complexion is his protection. Why not? It's worked so far, right?
3: Very well, very well. He
2: chastises anybody. He plays the race car whenever his back is to the wall, but... but
3: he, he does have a very low uh, low rating among the voters, though, so he's not doing a great job at it.
2: Yeah, 28%, the lowest poll rating of any mayor since polls were taken, lower than John Since Lindsay. polls
3: ever existed.
2: Right. Lower than Abraham B. We couldn't go any lower than him. Lower than David Dinkins, his mentor. Lower than even Bill de Blasio.
3: Oh, this is getting bad.
2: Oh, man, this is bad, but... When all else fails, talk about your roots. Brownsville, Brooklyn. First woman police commissioner of color. First
1: Spanish-speaking police commissioner. First uh, Spanish-speaking correction commissioner. Go through the line of what we're doing in two years. That's right. Because that's how we do it when you're from Brownsville.
2: Oh, here he is, and I knew I knew his closing line would be, from the hip-hop mayor, exactly what I predicted.
1: So here we are, in the place of my birth. People can say what they want, but you have a mayor from Brownsville. Never ran, and never will.
2: Oh, please. So tired. By the way, Mrs. Sliwa, long before I met you, I lived on Osborne and Hageman, From 1974 to 1976, probably the only white person in Brownsville at that time. I think I learned—actually, I I lived there longer than he did. He was birthed there, yes. I don't know, Van Dyke or Lindsey Projects, and his mother took him and his brothers and sisters to Southeast Queens.
3: So you're saying you have more Brownsville cred than he does?
2: Yeah, I remember moving in in Mezusa on the door. That's when the Jews basically were the majority of the population, and then they fled— And then it became mostly uh, black with some Hispanic. But the real strong statement he made and why things are so chaotic within the police department, why they don't seem to be able to get orders from headquarters, the cops out there feel like they're leaderless, is what Eric Adams uh, said to that crowd about who the real police commissioner is. And Every other
1: mayor had to turn to their police commissioner and say, hey, I need you to figure this out. I don't have to turn to my police
2: commissioner to say, I need you to figure this out. Now you know why we're in the mess that we are.
3: Yeah, he just talks to Robbie the Robot.
2: (laughs) Not only that, Bloomberg, who knew nothing about the streets, had Ray Kelly, the longest-serving police commissioner, who also served for David Dinkins. And the city was in a much better shape by the mayor than relying on the guidance of Ray Kelly. And then lastly, the police commissioner now, out-of-town Eddie Caban. Missing in action. Who acts like he doesn't know what's going on with these migrant gangs now? And I tell you why. Can I hear from Eddie Caban?
1: They're essentially ghost criminals. No criminal history. No photos. No cell phone. No social media.
2: Eddie, they do. And ICE has all that information, like they had for MS-13 when they started to get they grow and get strong. Eric Adams must allow the police department to work with ICE. Now they're prohibited. As Kathy Hochul, her predecessor, Andrew evilized Cuomo, Covenant, prohibit any state agencies from working with ICE. ICE has the answers. The police department needs to work with ICE. And we can uh, actually uh, weaken Tren de Aruga, which I will explain up next. People are now first time hearing about this Venezuelan gang that I've dealt with over the years.
0: Talk Radio 77 WABC. We're talking about This is the Riffin Reed, featuring Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. When you're a jet, you're a jet. All oh, the first cigarette to your last dying day. You're a jet, let them do what they can You've got brothers around, you're a family man You're never alone, you're never disconnected
2: Going back to the days of West Side company, Story, the Mexico Jets Mexico, and the Mexico, well, Sharks Mexico, gangs Mexico, have been a part of our history here in America and also around the world. And that's my knowledge, that's my sweet spot because uh, in organizing Guardian Angels uh, in 13 countries, 130 cities around the world, oftentimes we run into the local Yoko gangs. So people wonder what this group is, Trend de Aruga, which has its base in Venezuela, developed in a prison like a lot of gangs oftentimes are. But back in 2018, uh, there was an attempt by the Trump administration to put into place uh, the guy who had won the presidential election, the guy who was going to bring democracy to Venezuela against Maduro. Uh, He wasn't having any of that. We thought that troops might go in to put uh, this guy in power, and it led to a flood of a lot of Venezuelans. They were fleeing Many of them actually took the first uh, method of flight over the Simon uh, Boulevard Bridge in which there were uh, there were members uh, of Tren de Aruga that were on the Venezuelan side. And they were amazed that there were no troops. There were no National Guardsmen there. So immediately they set up shop and any of the Venezuelans coming through because they were trying to flee to Bogota. Uh, they started to extort money. They started to... Uh, commit criminal activities, and control the border. And so they eventually ended up setting up shop in Bogota because there was a lot of money in Bogota, worked their way down to Lima, Peru, a lot of money in Lima, and a lot of money eventually in Santiago, Chile. Uh, There's no money in Venezuela. And although Maduro had use for them initially when he tried to... um, befriend these gang, uh, gangs up in the favelas when he perceived that the United States might actually come in and forcibly remove him. Uh, he had no more use for them, and he uh, encouraged them to leave. In fact, recently they actually raided that prison where the uh, whole Venezuelan gang uh, developed Trend de Arruga and uh, shut it down. So you got them spread all over South America and from uh, guys who would simply do what a lot of street gangs would do uh, through fear, through extortion, uh, through controlling sex workers. In fact, you go to Lima, Peru right now, most of the pimps uh, are these Venezuelan gangbangers. Uh, Their torture, their homicide uh, ways sort of made them resemble MS-13 in El Salvador, though MS-13 actually started in Los Angeles uh, because the Mexican gangs were preying on the El Salvadorians when they had escaped the civil war there, and they organized a gang to protect themselves and then eventually did what all gangs do, and they prayed on their own. So these guys are now based uh, in Peru and Chile. Uh, they have a group in Ecuador. They've had gang problems there of late. They stabilized the government. And they are a force to be dealt with. Uh, So whether it's sex trafficking, drugs, extortion, and white-collar crime. So we see that some of these Venezuelan gangs who have been caught uh, by the NYPD just the other day up in the Bronx, they steal cell phones, they use the app, they transfer funds. Much of it is Bitcoin and a Bitcoin purse And it goes uh, out of the United States uh, to these other locations. So they're highly organized. And they don't fear that they will be arrested or deported. They've been known to be one of numerous gangs that will uh, shake down and extort money from the migrants when they're coming through the Darien Gap uh, in Panama. And uh, they're a force to be reckoned with. I will continue to keep you... uh, informed of what's going on with this uh, gang, Trende Aruga, because in the tents, they control the tents in Creedmoor, the majority of the migrants there, Venezuelans, on Randall's Island and at Floyd Bennett Field. And obviously on 42nd Street in Times Square, where well, I've got to head back there now.